Welcome to People Are Saying by the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we break down current events and help you to cut through the noise. Today's subject is Iran, the current protest movement sweeping the country, and what the regime's decision to supply drones and missiles to Russia for use in their war of choice in Ukraine means. I'm Griff Somke, and with me is Jay McKenzie. Iran has been rocked by the biggest protests in years following the death of Masha Amini on 16th of September. The country's morality police, who are tasked with enforcing the strict dress codes around dress and behavior, they had arrested her for not wearing her hijab correctly and for wearing skinny jeans. Now, she died shortly after this. The regime, of course, they are saying that she had an underlying medical condition that caused this. Her family is saying something completely different, says that she was beaten and succumbed to those injuries. So this became a flashpoint. As a result, the women of Iran have started to protest. And since the 16th of September, it hasn't stopped. They've been out in the streets virtually every day. The school kids have come out and started demonstrating with them. We've got members of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps going into the schools, trying to persuade the kids to not do this, and they're getting run out of the schools. We've got sporadic local reports of police officers fighting with the IRGC. We've got oil workers and refinery workers that have gone out on strike in solidarity with these protests. Now it seems that some of their more prominent athletes have decided to join the protest. Elnaz Rakabi, who's a professional climber, she decided to, in a show of solidarity, not wear her hijab while she was competing recently. And she was arrested immediately by the security police and brought back early. And apparently she has been taken to... Yeah, Evan Prison, which is interesting because it's the the place where political prisoners essentially dissidents and threats to the regime or people who have spoken out and considered dissidents or people who can cause trouble with their actions and their words for a totalitarian state happen to get locked up and we don't want them talking anymore. We don't want them causing any problems. So it is it is interesting when, you know, we saw last week there's or last weekend there was some sort of riot at Evan prison. There was, there were fires, there were gunshots heard. There were a lot of reports that were difficult to corroborate. Iran is a black hole in a lot of ways for the West in terms of what sort of information that gets out and sources on the ground and all this. But there are lots of videos that circulated. It certainly sounded like there were gunshots, there were fires. Something definitely happened. Something definitely happened. I think the last count was that eight people had died. Now the Iranian state TV kind of had competing claims with this. Some claimed that there was an escape attempt at the prison and there were mines, I guess, on the outer perimeter. There were mines set up to prevent an escape and the attempted escapees blew up those mines trying to escape and that caused all of this to happen. There was also reports uh, by another state-run news agency saying that uh, there was a fight 
between different sets of inmates at the prison and a fire got started and some of the at least some of the people died from smoke inhalation but it's really just not clear because it is a prison where political prisoners and westerners who have been picking either because they're spies or more likely Iran claims that they're spies and wants to use them as bargaining chips against the West at a date to be named later. Right. Yeah, it is interesting that this happened at the prison and... In the middle of a protest that was happening outside the prison at the time. With people chanting death to the dictator. Yeah, we're not saying they didn't do it. Right. That wasn't the first time we saw it. We've seen quite a few groups of protesters with women who were openly defying the regime, not wearing headscarves, chanting death to the dictator. And in some cases, as you pointed out, the local police have joined in with the protesters to to protest the regime. So that's why you have Tehran calling in the most loyal soldiers that they have, which are the IRGC, to quell the protests, to get everyone in line, to make sure that, you know, quote unquote, peace is restored. Right. It's not clear that there's going to be any sort of revolution because toppling a regime is not an easy thing, but it's uh, it's worrying. It's certainly got the government on its heels a bit. And they haven't really had protests on this scale, it seems, since about 1979, which is when the Shah of Iran was overthrown and the current bunch took power. So what seems very clear is that the regime is quite nervous about the possibility of where this could go because they came to power under circumstances not entirely dissimilar from what we're seeing now. So as a result, they're not going to let this get to that point if they can help it. Right. And it is that that sort of balance that a regime in this situation has to deal with in terms of they have to show force and they have to push back. But then also by doing that, you run the risk of more protest and more people being involved and engaged and, and a greater right. threat rising. I think with Iran, you have to consider what it means when the IRGC gets called in to beat back these protesters and to regain control of the situation because they are, this is not their primary function or their primary job, but if you need a job to get done, they're the ones that you call. So Russia has their National Guard, which can be used in the same sort of way, but the IRGC are the Praetorian Guard. They are the most loyal of the most loyal. They are indoctrinated in the the way the government is, the way things are, or the way things should be. And they are paid to maintain the status quo. They are very vested in this. This yes. is their, their reason to exist right here, is to maintain the status quo and to be the regime's, you know, line of defense against the outside influence against the West in a lot of ways. And they don't they don't have to answer to anyone if they use these strong arm tactics. If people die, they die. As far as they're concerned, it's what's more important is getting the job done and maintaining order and maintaining the status quo. So it is interesting that we've got the IRGC knocking back the protesters in Iran, but you've also got a different group of IRGC officers reportedly in Ukraine, essentially training Russians on how to fly these kamikaze drones that the Russians are using to attack Ukrainian infrastructure. So the IRGC, it's a big force and, and they certainly can multitask. Uh, they're still involved in other countries in the Middle East, but the IRGC is being in Ukraine and helping the Russians. I think it's also important to point out that the Iranians are denying that they sent any weaponry to Russia, that they sent any drones 
that they are saying, quote, once again, quote, have not and will not provide any weapon to be used in the Ukraine war. And that doesn't track with what people are seeing on the ground. The Ukrainian forces are picking up wrecked bits of Iranian drones off the ground after they've shot them down, at which point it does raise the question of, if you didn't do this, how did they get here? Well, they've shot down over 200 at this point. Right. So the idea that there's this denial that is obviously not meant to be taken particularly seriously. It's the kind of, you know, perfunctory thing that you have to say when someone's saying, you're just making this worse. And they're like, not us. We didn't do anything. And of course, the Russians are denying it as well, because they can. And why not? And why not confuse the situation even more? Right. Right. But these drones are coming from somewhere. And these drones are <laughs> obviously being piloted by someone. And is, is Belgians, you know, great question. <laughs> Definitely a bit of a flex on the part of the regime that they are still vital and critical, not just in their own country, but to other big, powerful countries. So you better behave. Yeah. And it's the sort of thing the West, Western media has to talk about this. We have to have a discussion about what Iran is doing because it, it matters and it's affecting Ukraine and it's affecting how Russia's carrying out its operations in Ukraine and all of this, something really did stick out to me because we've got Iran sending these kamikaze drones to Russia. And now we've got a report from the Washington Post saying that Iran is also sending missiles that have a, a range of up to, I believe it's 700 kilometers, uh, which Russia can use in Ukraine for uh, in theory, that I guess the the purpose would be to attack Ukrainian infrastructure, but who knows what it'll actually get used for. But Michael Weiss on Twitter saying that the former IRGC Kuds Force commander Qasem Soleimani going to Moscow in July 2015, Weiss said uh, he went there to, quote, coordinate Iranian-Russian intervention in Syria. And he has a really unique perspective on this because Weiss covered a lot of this, I know, for the Daily Beast at the time, and he wrote a book about ISIS and its origins, and and some of that touched on their cooperation with Russia and Iran, and he became well-versed in, in how these various players interacted in the Middle East. But it is interesting to think about what's happened since 2015 because Russia and Iran cooperated a good deal in Syria. And it's been kind of a continuing pattern. And, and we both call this Cold War 2.0. There certainly is a nexus. It's it's Russia, it's China, with China being the, the primary driver, but Russia, China, Iran, and then other authoritarian states like Venezuela or Cuba. But we have these group of countries that are participating in all these war games and military exercises, naval exercises together, and they've been doing it for years now. And it's it's something that I feel like Western media, at least U.S. media, hardly touches on. But I think for most people, this idea that, wow, Iran is helping Russia, that, that kind of came out of nowhere. It didn't. But it, it, it appears to for a lot of people because our mainstream media just doesn't cover it and rarely. And how much of that is because the prevailing sort of consensus has been that we need to get this Iran deal, which keeps coming up, done. Because 
we want to, in theory, shut down the regime's capability to produce potentially a nuclear weapon. And that's a little hard to get a deal done if they are portrayed as being Russia's allies in what's going on. So I'm not saying that it got minimized for that reason, but I'm not saying it didn't either. Yeah. And that that's a fair point. I think for the people who are really involved in this and watching this, it's near universal agreement that Iran needs to be sanctioned further because mm -hmm. of this decision to help Russia and Ukrainian civilians, innocent civilians are dying because of these drones. And if these missiles are sent to Ukraine or bases in Russia and used against Ukraine and Russia's war of choice, then that's on Iran. That is a decision that they made and right. they're culpable for what happens next. So yeah, it is making any attempt at a new and improved Iran deal much more difficult, but this is what Iran chose to do. So don't ignore it and don't pretend like it's not happening because that's just going to help Russia. So we have to talk about it, but also because we're talking about it, it gives the Iranian propaganda organs something to point at and say, aha, see how important we are, see how feared we are, see how serious the world is taking us. So yeah, mm -hmm. you protester in the street, we're we're forced to be reckoned with and what chance what chance exactly. do you stand? Yeah. So it's it's serving they're they're working several things at once and Again, it's not like we can't talk about this, but it is unfortunately also helping them in the process. But I think it is worth pointing out that the Biden administration has repeatedly praised the protesters and, and said that they what they're trying to accomplish is admirable and helpful. And I think I did see I did see something about when the Arab Spring happened in 2011. I think the Obama administration was fairly reluctant to show they were. They were. They didn't really want to get involved because they thought that this might make things worse, that this might somehow give the regime narrative ammunition to say, oh, it's all the CIA. Right. And the, yeah, all these countries in the Middle East that are, are threatened and, and could be overthrown are going to say, aha, see, we told you it was a color revolution carried out by the CIA. But I think, and as we both know, a lot of Obama's people are now Biden's people. Some of them learned their lesson and realized these people are going to say this anyway. And Obama himself, a couple of days ago, came out with a statement saying that he wished that he had pulled his punches a little less, that he wished he had put his voice into that a little more than they did. So that's kind of big for him to say, yeah, I kind of blew that. We should have We should have gotten behind these people in 2009 and tried to help them a little bit more, things might have been different if we had. Yeah. And I think if you look at what the protesters are saying right now, they're saying, hey, we need the West to pay attention. We need people to keep raising these issues and, and making the world aware because people are dying right. in the street and the government wants everyone to forget about it or stop caring or to just push it down further, further down the news cycle. And that's also why you see them restricting internet access and cutting people off from the outside world. One, because you can use that to organize protests and to cause more problems for the regime, but also because you can get these videos out and you can spread the word and yeah. they don't want that. So I think, I think the Biden administration has realized 
the mistakes that Obama made. And as you said, Obama has acknowledged his own mistakes, but also we, we need to listen to the the people on the ground and what they're saying and what they need. And so this is does appear to be the right call. And we need to remember that for a lot of these movements, having the United States acknowledge what's going on in that country and shine a light on it is big and can keep things going for quite a while, even if it's just a matter of like, we see you, we, we see what you're struggling with, we see your struggle, and we acknowledge that you are protesting for essentially freedoms that... What should be basic human rights. So that can be really big. And that's one of the things that it really helps a movement like this when the United States says something. It really gives them some courage to keep going. Whereas if it seems like the whole world has forgotten about you and doesn't care, then yeah, it's a little hard to get out in the street and get yourself beaten up by the security forces every day. Because what's the point? doesn't matter. We're all just going to end up dead anyway. Right. And they and they want the, the government wants people to think that and feel that and fear that. And so they're going to encourage that. And yes, there's always a, a counterpoint to be made. And there's always that argument that, well, if we if we do too much or say too much, then we'll end up helping the regime. It's, it's a fine line and it's not always clear in the moment. But I think these voices need to be amplified and heard. And it's very clear cut what's going on. It's very much a sense of like, these people were killed for trying to do something that anyone in the free world has the right to do. And it's very clear that it's organic. It, it's very right. clear that this wasn't a plan. It's these sort of movements and these all these protests happened because an injustice occurred because <laughs> the regime enforced some absurd laws that they felt they must do. And whatever happens from this point on it's it's clear that this happened because of the people in Iran saying enough and they need to feel heard and and I think it is important for us to make sure that happens thanks for listening to the did nothing wrong podcast if you want to hear more you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com you can also follow us on twitter at james the word for and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza BJJ, G R Z A BJJ, as well as DNW Pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.